Good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting because, yes, obviously, and I don't mean this irreverently at all, God is holy. Mm-hmm. And I think as followers of Christ, we have to remember that because of his imputed righteousness given to you and I, we are called to be holy we as well, we're holy. You're, you're set apart. Today, I don't know who it's for. Maybe it's for just me. Maybe it's just for you. Maybe it's for all of us. Don't let shame keep you from knowing your identity in Christ. You know, I experienced that this week where it's like Satan's whispering in my ear, <laughs> telling me some stuff that I'm like, that's not true at all. But because I'm grounded in the Lord and and I'm not relying on my emotions, I'm relying on what the promises of the word says about me. I know my identity is in Christ. So I just shared that because I don't know where you're at this week. I don't know what you're battling through. I don't know what 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 circumstances have come upon you this week. Don't allow shame to keep you from your true identity. You are Set apart, you are holy, you are a child of the Most High God. Amen? And uh, I I just want to share this too real quick before we get into uh, the Word this morning. So I was super encouraged. I was at work, and how many of you know that the Lord provides? It's the Lord Almighty that provides everything and anything we need, right? And and so I've been been learning that, you know... the Lord is growing me in, 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 in being aware, having a heightened spent sense of awareness spiritually about the little, what could seem like mundane things in life. So I was at work and, um, you know, I'm, I'm on my break and we have picnic benches outside kind of where there's a garden area and we have a bird feeder. And usually the clients, that's one of their jobs, the, 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 the men and women that go and tend to uh, the garden, they're supposed to fill the bird feeder. And for whatever reason, that bird feeder, uh, it was emptied and there was all kind of seed everywhere. There was seed just all over the floor. And, um, you know, I'm eating and then all of a sudden I see like four or five birds and they come up. And they're chirping and they're just, you know, clucking their heads and they're, they're eating and they're just eating to their heart's content. And I believe in that moment, the Lord showed me Matthew six twenty six like alive. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they and in that moment, I was just like, so, and I didn't have any anxiety about anything. I wasn't stressing about nothing, but it was just a reassurance that the Lord was showing me, said, look, man, look at these birds. They're not worried about their food. Look, I provided them all this food and they're eating all this food to where they're just eating and then they leave. And there's all kind of left. There's, there's an overabundance of seed on that ground. He said, how much more are you, are you to me? I'm, keep, I'm keeping you as a... You're the apple of my eye and I'm keeping you and I'm providing for you everything you need. So I I share that to you because I don't know. Again, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but know that you're more loved than these birds that are provided for so much. So the Lord knows what you need. He's going to provide. Amen? Amen. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit has to say. All right. So we are uh, wrapping up the book of Obadiah today will be in verses 19 down through 21. 
This message is entitled, The Kingdom of the Lord. Once again, we're in Obadiah, and we'll be going through verses 19 down through 21. Uh, if you can, turn there in your Bibles, uh, or if you got it on your phone or your tablet, uh, get to that, that passage of Scripture. And if you're able to, please stand for the reading of God's Word. We'll read our, our, our passage this morning, and then we'll go ahead and we'll get into our text. Please pardon me if um, I mispronounce any of these, um, the, these, these names. I'll try my best uh, not to. All right, so it, we start in verse 19, and it says, Those in Negeb shall possess Mount Esau, and those of Shpelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. The exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath and the exiles of Jerusalem who are in, uh, say it again, Sepharad shall possess, thank you, the cities of the Negeb. Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Let's go ahead and pray. Abba God, we thank you once again that, Lord, we can bring everything to the feet of your son Jesus and that you hear us. Thank you that you are on the offensive for us, so much so that you gave your only begotten son to be the perfect sacrifice to redeem us from death, destruction, and to put us on right footing and to give us right relationship with you. And so now we ask that you would uh, just speak to our hearts, Lord. Give us the anointing that only comes from you so that we're able to rightfully divide your word, that we can understand it. Father, that you could give us the ability to apply this word to our lives and that we would be super excited and encouraged about what is to come. Uh, this scripture is a foreshadowing of, of what you have for all of humanity that will choose to humble themselves and receive the free gift of salvation that your son alone Jesus Christ provides. So Lord, we just thank you and we praise you. You are the only one worthy of the title Lord, of the title God Almighty. Thank you that we have covenant personal relationship with you now and that we can call you Yahweh, call you by your personal name. And uh, we just thank you for that. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. All right. Again, uh, today we, we're looking to conclude this book, to finish the book of Obadiah. And so far, we've, we've learned that uh, Israel and Edom have uh, family ties because of Jacob and Esau. These nations are kinsmen. And that if this world was not full of sin, there would have been a camaraderie between these two nations, between these two people groups because of the ties they had from long ago. But instead, one nation took advantage of the other. And we know the reason why, because of the fallen nature of humanity uh, Individuals tend to look out for their own instead of look out for one another. We have learned that pride in self, so, you know, taking like an unhealthy pride in oneself, believing in oneself to be able to do all things in and of themselves, and one to have pride in creation, uh, you know, over-esteeming, you know, worshiping the creation rather than the creator, only produces delusion of the mind and suffering. We, we, we've talked about that in uh, several weeks past. We've also seen that for those who will humble themselves before the true and living God, that He, God Almighty, will fight 
for us. He will go before us and he will fight our battles. I'm sure many of you have experienced that on many different levels in your life. Humbling yourself, honoring the Lord with who you are, your, your, your core, your being, loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then you just kind of sit back and see things unfold. And you're like, man, God's hand was in all of this. And God has brought me the victory. God has taken me through the storm. We didn't go above it, below it, around it. You had to go through the storm, but you came out victorious. Amen. Amen. Even though Israel went through pain and suffering at the hands of the Edomites, Yahweh would eventually deliver them from the hands of their enemies. We've looked at that as well. The book of Obadiah concludes with the hope for restoration of God's kingdom. How, how, many, how many of us are looking for hope today? We need hope, right? Amen. I need hope. My, my family needs hope. I mean, we're, you know, even, even lost people, they may not call it hope. But they're looking for something. They're looking for hope. They're looking for some kind of thing that they can cling on to. And and here in our scripture this morning, verse 21 contains a foreshadowing of Christ and his church. The new heaven and the new earth. I'll read it. Obadiah chapter 1 verse 21 says, Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Uh, not, to, not to break it down too much, but to give us a little context of, of what we're talking about here. We see this word, uh, we see this statement, and it says these saviors, or maybe in your translations it says uh, deliverers. Uh, these saviors or deliverers are the apostles of Jesus Christ. They're ministers of the word, and they're preachers of the gospel in our contemporary modern day. They are called saviors not because they save anyone. We only know we know that there's only one Savior, capital S. Notice that this Savior is lowercase s. That should point you out to it's not the Savior of the world. It's not Jesus Christ. But they are called Saviors not because they save anyone, but because they preach salvation, capital S, through the gospel of Jesus Christ and show people the way to obtain that salvation. If you look at your own life as a witness, you're, you're pretty much encompassed in that as well, right? That, that's, that's what we're commanded to do. We're, we're to share in love and point people, hey, salvation is this way and this is the way to obtain salvation. You can receive the free gift of salvation if you humble yourself and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. Speaking of uh, you know, ministers of the gospel or preachers of the, of the gospel, when... The word is preached by them. This is talking about, again, the good news of salvation. This is the only way that salvation is delivered to all men. Uh, it's, it's by the preaching and teaching of the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You see, while Christ is the only Savior who alone came to purchase salvation, and he alone is the author of it, lowercase saviors and deliverers of the gospel will be more and more evident at the end of the as the end of the age draws near uh, the bible talks about you know people are going some people are not going to want to endure sound doctrine they don't want to hear about sin they don't want to hear about you know it's you better count the cost they don't want to hear about deny yourself take up your cross and follow christ they don't want to hear about a selfless christianity and so because they don't want to hear that, they have itching ears and they're going to heap up teachers for themselves so they can be lost in fables and things that are demonic. So 
I say that because you should, as you mature in your walk with the Lord, you should be able to spot the difference between those who are standing upon the rock of Jesus Christ alone and are sharing the truth of the gospel unhindered by any kind of form of manipulation or any kind of opinion in it. And they're just giving you the word as opposed to someone who's cherry picking the gospel, cherry picking the scripture and picking and choosing what they want to share. And they're actually manipulating the word of God to suit their own benefits and to ease the minds of the people. I believe that we're not a church that does that. We, we, We take the scripture for what it says I'm not here to be up here to boast about myself. I'm not here performing. I'm not here to make it easier for you. That's what the Lord will do. That's between you and the Lord. All I do week in, week out is share with you what I have studied and what the Lord has shown me throughout the week in the scriptures. And that's the best, that's the best aim because this, again, this is not Hollywood. We're not here to perform. We're not here putting on a show. We're, we're unpacking the word of God so that we can grow spiritually and become more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, God will overcome on our behalf. So that means you and I have a decision. We have a choice. We can either stay true to him. He's going to be true regardless. He's going to overcome on our behalf. We, we already have evidence of him overcoming by going to the cross and, and giving his life and resurrecting from the dead. Meaning, speaking of he will overcome on our behalf, meaning the new heaven and the new earth, when all of that transpires, that'll be the culmination of all the work that Christ has already done. But the Godhead will overcome on our behalf. So for us, there should be a strong desire for us to want to remain faithful to him. If you've been drawn out of a lifestyle that was anti-Christian and now you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, you should not want to desire to go back to the muck and the mire. You should want to stay with the Lord. You see, unlike Edom, we must be willing to help others in times of need. Because once again, pride is sin. When you really think about our lives, your life, when I think about my life personally, I I truly have nothing to be proud about other than the fact that Jesus Christ has come into my life. He's redeemed me. He's pulled me out of the darkness. And now I'm in the light and I can forever stay in the light because of what he has done. And I, I take full pride in that. There's a righteous pride in that. But in and of myself, anything that I've accomplished or anything that I've done, I don't take pride in that because uh, it's not anything to be proud of. All right, we have several main points. And the first one is this. All of God's people will be gathered together and Israel will be restored to their land of promise. That's the first thing that we kind of see in in, in this text, in these several verses that we see here this morning. You see, the final portion of the book of Obadiah sets the stage for things to come in the Lord's timetable for his remnant chosen people of Israel and all those who surrender to the authority of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. You see, Israel will one day occupy the land that they were promised long ago. This is the only prophecy here in the book of Obadiah that has yet to be fulfilled. And when we kind of dig a little deeper, this is actually a twofold prophecy. What we have here is one part, in one part, a very specific geographical prophecy that will be fulfilled. We also have the perfect and full realization of the new heaven and the new earth. First, what is envisioned here when we look at the text is both retribution against Israel's enemies 
and the reclamation of all of Israel's traditional territories. All of these things will be fulfilled. Um, specifically, they will recl- reclaim uh, the Negev, the area around uh, Beersheba and the lower portion of the Dead Sea. Also, Shpela, Ephraim and Samaria. These regions that were conquered by the Assyrians in about 721 would be reclaimed by the people of Judah. And finally, uh, Gilead and Transjordan stretching from lower Galilee to the Arnon River would once again be ruled by Benjamin, the tribal territory between Bethel and Jerusalem. It's interesting when um, when you kind of do some some research and studying, you know, we know that there's 12 tribes of Israel. Um, But right now, if I'm not correct, uh, the main two tribes that are are prominent, if you come in contact with people that are Jewish, Many times they're either from the tribe of Judah or they're from the tribe of Benjamin. There's something called the Ten Lost Tribes of Israel. And, you know, there, there's a whole lot. It's, it's super interesting. If you look into it, uh, you know, I just kind of uh, found some things even uh, earlier this week. Uh, they found out that there's a group of, of Ethiopian people that said that they're Jewish. And um, they actually got citizenship. Uh, they did a bunch of, you know, findings and they found out. Um, you know, the, the, the people, whoever is in charge in Israel, flew them out and they became citizens. They came to find out that somewhere down the line, they, they were saying that um, they think that these Ethiopian people are from the tribe of Dan. But the people from Ethiopia, they believe that Solomon is, you know, they're from the line of Solomon. And if that is correct, they're saying that, you know, somewhere down the line, you know, the Queen of Sheba. Queen of Sheba was a Gentile, but, you know, obviously Solomon was a Jew. And uh, it's just very interesting. I like to nerd out on stuff like that because it's, it's super interesting to find out that. Again, you can't judge a book by its cover. I said it many times. There are Jews that are as uh, light as Mark, and there's uh, Jews that are darker than me. Just like you see some of these, you know, these uh, Cuban Dominican players, and they're speaking fluent Spanish, but they're, uh, they're very dark, you know. It's very interesting. But, um, yeah, it's pretty cool how these kind of things transpire. Um, okay, let's get back to the, to the text here. This vision of, of, of all of these lands being occupied, um, it was partially fulfilled in 539 B.C. when the people of Israel returned to the promised land of Canaan. Uh, the Persian king, remember Cyrus, he made a proclamation that allowed God's people to go back to Jerusalem. We read about that in Ezra chapter 1. Let's, let's fast forward to the other side of this prophecy. We're, we're, we're just talking about the actual geographical things that are going to happen, like physically take place. The other side of this prophecy here is there will come a time when all of God's people, all of those who belong to him, who have been rescued through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, will finally be gathered. Ultimately, this prophecy will be fulfilled when Jesus Christ returns in glory and gathers all of his people to himself. You see, when Jesus returns... To judge the living and the dead, he will cast all of his enemies into everlasting condemnation. But he will take up all of his chosen ones to himself into heavenly joy and glory. And, and, that, and that's what we get to look forward to. You know, that's what the whole thing is about. It's like the biggest question that you and I have to answer before we pass from this life to the next is, who is Jesus Christ to you? Right? And we know that people people tend to you know they they put shade on his name for many many reasons but when the bible was penned inspired by the the holy spirit we have to remember 
that Greek was the dominant uh, language of that time. And so Christ is just another word for Messiah or, or for anointed one. And, and, and so that's why we, we coined the name Jesus Christ. But whether you say Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, whether you say Yeshua, which is the Hebrew way of saying Jesus, nonetheless, it is the person of Jesus who is the true and living God. He is the one that came in the flesh, put on humanity, and saved and redeemed humanity. That's why the demons tremble at the name of Christ. Have you ever been somewhere, and everyone's okay if you pray, but once you start praying in the name of Jesus Christ, every all I don't want to say hell, but everything breaks loose, and people start getting uncomfortable, and people get uneasy, and people start calling you a narrow-minded bigot. Why is that? Because the demons believe. They shudder at the name of Christ. They don't want to hear the name of Jesus. You can pray all day long, but once you start mentioning the name of Jesus or Yeshua, now there is power in that name. You see, I can pray all day, but if I'm not praying in the name of Jesus, where is the authority? Where, 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 it's, it's like the stamp. It's the approval that this prayer is, is, is being authenticated because it's going up to the Father in Jesus' name. <laughs> but when we're not praying in Jesus' name... There's no power. There's no effectiveness. So it's, it's incumbent that you and I have an ongoing close relationship with Christ. That way we can have his stamp of approval and we're, we're made right with the Father. And then whatever we ask, asking in accordance to his will, it will be granted. It's a beautiful thing. It's not a genie in a lamp. It's the fact that your Father, your Heavenly Father, loves to lavish you with good gifts. And what I've come to understand recently is those good gifts are more times than not. They're all spiritual. It's all spiritual, man. It's all spiritual. Look at the men and women in the Bible. Yes, some of them had wealth, but many of them went through all kind of physical suffering and they weren't rich. Look at Christ himself. He didn't ride on the nicest donkey. He didn't have a place to lay his head. (laughs) But yet he had an inner peace amongst himself in him that he was able to, 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 to rise above the circumstances and, and he, 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 he had joy that was unspeakable. I, I, I want that. I want that. I don't want, I don't want to say, I don't want to use a word like covet, but, but I desire that so much because I, I, don't want my, I don't want my outer you know, experiences to determine how I am on the inside. I want to be able to walk in, in much and little and still have the peace and the joy of the Lord. Amen. The second main point is this. The redemption of all believing Israelites will culminate in the establishment of the kingdom of God and the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. You see, as Christians who are Gentiles, basically anyone who's not Jewish, we should be aware of what is going on with Israel. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ and salvation is comes through them. It comes through the line of the Israelites. You see, remember when Jesus was speaking with the Samaritan woman at the well? Remember he was talking to her? He said, can you give me a drink? First of all, it was horrible. <laughs> the, the, the culture that day, they didn't like it because it's like, Jesus, you shouldn't be talking to this woman. This woman shouldn't even be at the well in the middle of the day. And yet you asked her for a drink. But he explains to her that the Samaritans were not clear on who they worshipped. But the Jews were. John chapter 4 verse 22 tells us, and this is Jesus speaking to her. He says, you worship what you do not know. 
We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. The new heaven and the new earth will be called the New Jerusalem. Uh, the, the, the names of uh, the 12 tribes of Israel will be along the gates. This is going to come down from heaven to here. Jesus himself was, had Jewish heritage. All of his disciples were Jewish. And he alone is the promised seed of Abraham. Not seeds, not plural, but singular. The promised seed of Abraham that comes through the tribe of Judah. You see, you and I as Christians, we can gauge the climate of the world by what is happening to our Jewish brothers and sisters around the world. When we're aware, what, what's, what's going on over there? And, and, and I heard one rabbi say that, you know, he talked to a good friend of his who, who's li- who lives in, in, in Jerusalem. And, 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 and he asked, what is the climate there right now? And the person said, I've never seen this government in more chaos than ever before. It is just chaotic over there. At, at, it, they're, they're, they're basically at the point where they, they believe at any moment <laughs> things could pop off that will just cause a ripple effect across the entire world. And this is modern day 2023. You see, praying for the reconciliation between the remnant Israel and Yahweh, the true and living God, is fundamental in our Christian walk. We should be praying for them. We should be lifting them up. Then as the word states, the new people Jesus has drawn to himself will be fully realized, both Jew and Gentile alike with no favorites. Remember, Jesus said he came for not just the Jews, but for also the Greek, also for all those who are any people, any and every people group. It's the Jews first, not meaning that they're any better. That's just the that's they were just the conduits that God chose to reveal himself in the way relationships should be between humanity and God. He chose the Jewish people, but all nations, tongues and tribes of the earth who repent of their sin and pronounce Jesus Christ as Lord will one day become one people with one God. Not millions of gods, not all kind of different deities, not all kind of different religions. One true religion, one true faith. You see, the message of Obadiah is basically a sketch of all of the prophetic writings in the Old Testament scripture, which outlines God's wrath against a Christ rejecting sinful world. And Edom represents all of those who rebel against Christ. And they will eventually be utterly destroyed. I don't take pleasure in sharing that. It's just the reality. Look through all the pages of scripture. God would tell the Israelites, go into that place and annihilate these people. People will say, well, I thought God is a God of love. He is a God of love. And he also created us with free will. So he knows who is just going to choose to do their own thing regardless. And they're not going to come to him. And he says, you know what? They're going their own way. Get rid of them. The day is coming when all of Israel, all of remnant Israel will be saved. You see, God's people will be fully restored to their promised land and Christ will be enthroned as the King of kings and Lord of lords upon Mount Zion's holy hill. Verse 21 again specifically tells us this. Those who do the Lord's will will go up to Mount Zion and rule over Mount Esau, 
kind of as a type of the world ruling over the world, the world authority, the world culture alongside Christ and the kingdom will be the Lord's alone. When we come back, I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I know that we're going to be given positions of authority and responsibility. And that depends on kind of what we're doing now, you know, and it's not about trying to one up anybody else or anything like that. But you you just don't want to be that lazy Christian that's like, I just want to get into heaven by the skin of my teeth. There should be a desire to walk in the good works that the Lord has prepared for you from eternity past, being that you're saved. You know, because the Christian life's no fun. If you just if you just come here once a week and this is your Christian life, man, I feel sorry for you, seriously, because that's not what it's about. I say it all the time. This is just a huddle. It's like in the NFL. 12 men on the field or 11 men on the field. That's a penalty. <laughs> 11 men on the field. But nobody pays. I don't want to go sit in a luxury suite at Levi Stadium paying 12 grand. I'd never do that. <laughs> but I'm not watching no NFL game to watch 11 men on the field sitting there in the huddle the whole time. You come here, you get the huddle, but it's all about getting to the line of scrimmage, saying hike and getting the play going. So let's get in the end zone. Let's be on the offensive and let's do something. And that's what the Christian life's about. We don't want to be those kind of Christians that are hiding you know, hiding in our holy huddle, thinking, oh, it's a, you know, we'll just wait for Christ to come back. No, nah, man, you're only alive still because he still sees fit to get honor and glory from your life still. And so he's like, man, come on, man, mix it up with people. Get out there, get strong, sharpen your sword, be ready and be on the offensive. Obviously, in love, I'm not telling you bash anybody with the Bible or nothing like that. But in love, your conduct, the way you carry yourself There should be an aroma and a flavor about your life that people are drawn to because it's Christ in you. Amen. Amen. You see, all these things are going to occur. But first, Israel must go through that terrible time of Jacob's trouble, that time of great tribulation during the time which God's people will be purged and purified. But they will also be redeemed and restored. And what about Christ's body? That's us. We're the church. Well, We are not appointed to face the wrath of God for Christ took the punishment of our sins when sin was laid upon him and the wrath of God, which we deserve, was poured out on Jesus instead of uh, instead of us when he went to Calvary's cross. Second Thessalonians, excuse me, first Thessalonians chapter five, verse nine tells us for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We who are his body are not appointed to go through that great time of trouble and experience God's wrath. There will be provision, though. And I, and, and I, I don't want to get too much into it. We could talk about it later. Some people have many different positions of what they think, uh, you, know, pro, you know, pre, post, mid. But as I, as I study the scriptures more and more, it's, it's hard for me to see that we're not going to go through nothing. <laughs> I think the church is going to go through some stuff. Uh, The scripture talks about this for sure, but there will be provision and protection for all believers during the time of the Lord's wrath being poured out onto all unbelievers. Think about this. Look at the Old Testament scriptures. Just like when God provided protection for the Israelites during the time when the 10 plagues hit Egypt. He didn't take Israel out of Egypt. But he provided provisions for them so they would not incur all these boils, the frogs, all of the stuff that they went through. And then obviously we know the Passover. We know when the angel passed over and the the blood on the doorpost, the the firstborn uh, male was spared. 
And just in that same way, he will do so for the church. I do understand and I do believe what the scripture says. A day is coming when the final trump will sound. When that final, whether it's a trump, trumpet, shofar, whatever it is, will sound. And before the, the bowls are poured out, once the bowls are poured out in the book of Revelation, that's it. It's a wrap. You, are not, you do not want to be around when the bowls are poured out. But when the final trump will sound, the voice of the archangel will shout and the dead in Christ will rise first from their graves. And if you and I are still alive, we will be caught up with them in the air and we will be with the Lord forever. That's what we that's what we understand as the rapture. So, again, the whole point is the Lord gives us revelation so we're aware of it, not to be stressed out, not to sit in a huddle waiting till it happens, not to be, you know, overcome by all these things because what did Jesus say? Man, <laughs> tomorrow has its own problems. Don't don't worry about that. Or today has its own issues. Don't don't be concerned about tomorrow. Just moment to moment, what where are you leading me today? And just trust that the Lord is going to provide for you. But he will provide provision for those that are his. Amen? Amen. The third main point is this. I love this. Nothing can stop the kingdom of the Lord. Nothing. Nothing. We see this principle all throughout Scripture. You see, be encouraged, church. Satan is not in control. Though he tries to be, though he tries to deceive for people to believe, he is not in control. Since he's not in control, as the created being he is, we must remember this. Satan is not the creator. God Almighty, they're not even. It's not like Jesus is swollen, Christ is swollen, and they're like this. It's not like Rocky and Apollo. No, man. It's like God's up here and Satan's down there and he's got his foot on his throat. They're not the same. Though Satan is not in control, because he's not in control and he's a created, he's a created being, all he can do is try to persuade and deceive people into questioning the authority of God. That's what he does. That's his MO. That's what he is very good at. He's been doing it ever since the garden. Remember, what was his statement? Did God really say? He tried to get Eve to question the authority of God. And that's what he does in your life and my life. Ever since then, it's been the same old trick. Is there only really one way to heaven? We hear that all throughout our culture today. Is Jesus Christ really the only way? And he's a, he's a deceiver. He disguises himself as an angel of life. So don't be surprised. He's not going to come yelling at you with, with horns on his head and a pitchfork. He's going to come emulating the Holy Spirit in a still small voice telling you these things. Is sex really that bad before marriage? I mean, I really love Johnny. Oh, I really love Samantha. We're, we're, we're so in love. Do I really even need to get married the list goes on and on. You know, I'll share this real quick. I, I was going through some things this week and I was very convicted just over some personal things in my life of just balancing time and schedule with, with, with my son and, you know, wanting to pour into him. And as I'm repenting and, and, and you know, I'm in my bed and, and, and I'm, you know, I'm lamenting to the Lord. And then Satan came because he always comes when you're weak. And I heard it. And he said, you're going to hell. 
I heard it. I heard the audible voice say, it wasn't my mind. It was a demonic entity that told me I'm going to hell. And you see, if I'm not grounded in the word, I would have believed it. And I would have got frantic and I would have got paranoid and I would have questioned my faith. But immediately I said, he who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a child of the most high king. I'm redeemed. I'm saved. And immediately that thought vanished and I had peace. But for sure, in my conviction, Satan tried to come up and tell me some things. And he does the same thing to you and I every day. But we see from the word of God that nothing or no one can ever stifle God's plan of redemption for his creation. Even when you and I drop the ball and mess up, it still doesn't thwart God's plans. Be encouraged when you look at the men and women in scripture. Man, their lives were tore up. They weren't perfect. God didn't wrap them in cellophane and say, hey, now you emulate this. He said, emulate my son, Christ, but not these people. He shows us the, the issues and the failings and the problems that all these people in the Bible times had because it's an encouragement to you and I. He's not looking for us to be perfect. He's looking for us to be devoted and committed to him alone. That's what he wants. He wants your devotion. He wants my devotion. He needs to be number one, numero uno in our lives. You see, God is not scratching his head in the heavenly realms thinking, what am I going to do now since Eric messed up? What am I going to do? How am I going to fix this situation? He, he's not stressed over that. Not at all. He's got everything under control. Psalm chapter 33 verses 10 and 11 tell us, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. You see, nothing that men or Satan can do can stop the progress and ultimate victory of the gospel. The Lord can even use the sins of people to ultimately accomplish his purpose. As others have said, Christianity will never die because Jesus Christ will never die. The church of Jesus Christ will live forever. Nothing will stop God's mission. He will get his glory and all of his purposes will come to pass. He will accomplish what he has ordained for all of his people one way or another. And it will come to him on his timing. Think of your life. None of us were seeking after God, and all of a sudden he snatched you up, <laughs> and now you're living for him. They're like Jesus was the furthest thing from your mind. <laughs> Christians? You guys are whacked out. <laughs> Eating crackers and drinking juice, talking about blood and flesh. That's what I used to think. I was like, you guys are cannibals. I want nothing to do with whatever you guys are, whatever you guys are selling. I don't want it. You guys going door to door, I don't want it. <laughs> you guys are talking nonsense. I got to get dressed up. I don't want it. <laughs> But he changes the desires of our hearts and he gives us true understanding and true revelation. You see, we need not be discouraged, but continue pressing forward in obedience to God and his call in our lives. You see, as Edom found out the hard way, like all the others before them and those after them, rebelling against Yahweh only hurts yourself. 
When we go against God, we suffer in the end. And when we keep going against God, when there's a calling on our lives, not only do we suffer, but our loved ones, those around us suffer as well. Because sin does not just affect your sin. My sin does not just affect you. It affects all the people that you're in contact with. It messes everybody up. It's like throwing a stone into a lake and you see the ripple effect. But by the same token, when you live in obedience to the Lord, just like that same stone for honor and glory thrown into that lake, your life affects all kind of people and it ripples and it ripples and it ripples. That's how you leave a legacy. Like when you die and people are like, man, this person lived a godly life and they're still affecting people for change for Christ because they lived a holy and righteous life emulating our our heavenly father and his son jesus again he alone is the creator of life and nothing or no one can stand against him and succeed all right let's go ahead and unpack these verses and and we'll be done again going back to verse 19 and uh, daniel if uh, if i need help uh, i know i'm sure you'll you'll go ahead and shout it out those in the negib shall possess mount esau and those of the Shreelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim in the land of Samaria. And Benjamin shall possess Gilead. Verse 20, the exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as uh, Zarephath and the exiles of Jerusalem who are in uh, Shephard. Sephora. There you go. Thank you. Shall possess the cities of the Negev. Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Okay, let's look at this first statement. The south shall possess the mountains of Esau. I'm not going to get too much into the geography. We talked about that before, but I want to kind of talk about the overarching application of what this means. Obadiah, again, he looks forward to a day coming when Jerusalem, well, in all of Israel, excuse me, will occupy the possessed land that once belonged to Esau. Though the modern borders of Israel do not encompass the ancient lands of Edom, we can trust that one day they will, either in this age or in the age to come. The house of Jacob, this is the next statement, the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. That's what uh, many translations say. Now, looking at this, possessing these other lands can only happen when they first possess what is theirs. Speaking of Israel. And for us today, God has given us a rich heritage of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. But the question is, how much do you and I actually possess? That's the promise. That's the promise. But, but the, the condition of the promise is we have to believe, we have to trust, we have to, we have to allow God to be God in our lives and we will receive this. You see, God wants his people to possess their possessions, not be possessed by their possessions. I say it all the time. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. You got a boat, enjoy the boat. Go on the lake, go catch some fish, grill up some whatever you find, you know. But, but don't have the boat possess you. Don't be so infatuated with that material thing that it overtakes your life. But have it. The Lord's given you provisions to have it. But speaking of the real meaning behind this is found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is amazing. 
This shows us that in Christ, you and I have access to every single thing we'll ever need to be victorious in every single circumstance. But the reality is, are we aware of it? Are we aware of it when things go awry? We don't need to get frantic. We don't need to run around like a chicken with our head cut off. We need to go back, like I said, to the text. The word of God tells you and I that you have it. You possess every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The application is this. We can never overlook who possesses us and what possessions we have. Who possesses us? Is it Christ? I hope it is. It better be. It better not be the world. (laughs) Who possesses you? Then you know. You see, because when you look at this passage at the end of Obadiah, possession is a key phrase. Over and over we read that Israel will possess the land and take back what was rightfully theirs. A definition of possess means this. Have as belonging to one or to own um, that of a demon or spirit, especially an even one, an evil one, to have complete power over someone and be manifested through their speech or actions. And this is very interesting because, again, when we go back to before the foundations of the earth, the Godhead has always had possession of all authority, righteousness, power, and godliness. He's existed outside of space and time. He has no creator. I can't explain it. Don't expect me to. I do not. It's, it, my mind explodes every time I try to even go there. But he exists outside of space and time, has no creator. He's always existed, self-sustained. But Matthew 28, chapter 18 tells us, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And by the same token, just as and and by the same length of time, Satan has been trying to possess the power of God, though he will never be able to. Remember, he's a created being. He was created as Lucifer. He was a mighty angel that uh, they 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 say that you know it could be like he even had like you know pipes coming out of his 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 diaphragm. He's like a walking orchestra because he played music in the heavenlies and the holy of holies. Created being, but he was not content with his position. Wanted power and authority, pride got the best of him, and ever since then he's been trying to obtain that power and authority that God alone has. And since then, Satan has been trying, but he will never be able to possess the authority and power of God, and so he counterfeits and tries to mimic God. You see, Satan's aim is to derail those who are unsaved and possess them with his myriad of uh, you know minions the fallen angels that saw they, they got they bought the con they bought into the lie and followed him a third of the angels were fallen and thrown down from the heavenly realm and though he can't possess any believer he would like to make our lives miserable That's, again, why we have to be hypersensitive and be aware of what are we coming into agreement with? Do not come into agreement with Satan. Do not come into agreement with anything that is dark 
anything that's on the surface. Oh, it's just, no, it's not just. Remember, he comes to deceive. So many Christians are being deceived because they think it's nothing. Oh, it's just a game. Oh, it's just a movie. Oh, it's just a TV show. Oh, it's just this music. No, it's not. It's deceiving and trying to get in and weave its way to where you don't have peace, you don't have joy, and now you have calamity over and over again and you don't know why. But you've opened the door for Satan and his minions to come in and wreak havoc in your life. Don't allow a foothold for the enemy. Not even one. Not no, not no jot, not no tittle, none of it. You see, while Jesus Christ has fought and become victorious over sin, death, and Satan and the grave, so his creation no longer needs to be possessed by those things. We don't need to be possessed by sin. We don't need to be possessed with the infatuation of death or the fear of death. We definitely don't need to be possessed by demons or Satans, and we can't be. And we don't need to be scared of the grave. We are to look at our temporal lives and not be possessed and not be caught off guard and not be overwhelmed as believers by our possessions or by the enemy. But the reality is, I know it's not easy, but this is the truth. Many times this is a battle that we war against. But Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 tells us this. This is the way you can overcome. It says, do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be Filled with the Spirit or be possessed by the Spirit of God. You see, church, today for you and I, the choice is yours and mine. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 tells us, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. So we have to decide, what are we striving for? Are we just striving for what we can see that's temporal, that won't last, that will fade away and tarnish? Or are we seeking the things that are eternal that we can't see? Are we wanting our conduct to change? Are we wanting our countenance to be right? Are we wanting to have the favor and the anointing of God? Are those the things we're seeking after? Or are we truly just seeking after what just makes us happy now? You can be happy and have all the material things. I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad, but what I'm saying is they don't fulfill. If you're looking for material things to fulfill you, you're looking in the wrong place. No people or no thing can fill you other than Jesus Christ. Even your spouse, even your children, even your grandchildren, even your great-grandchildren. Seek Christ to fulfill you. Then you can enjoy all those people and those things the way you're supposed to, and they'll be in their rightful place. But when Christ is not seated on the throne of your heart, you're going to be all out of balance, man. You're going to be all out of whack and you're not going to you're going to be you're just going to be stressed out over it. But you can have so much joy and so much peace and enjoy all those things and all those people when Christ is seated alone on the throne of your heart. Amen. We need to make up our minds as followers of Jesus and seek first the things that are above. Like I just said, too many times we seek and crave the things of the earth. Seeking to fulfill the longing of our souls with the pleasures of this world that are foul, demonic, and deceptive. We want to be filled, possessed with the Holy Spirit of God and not our flesh. We need to consider what we are giving ourselves over to every day. What is consuming the majority of your time? 
Is it the Lord Jesus Christ or is it social media? Are you always on YouTube? Are you always uploading a new video? Are you always on Facebook? Are you always on Twitter? (laughs) You know, if you spend so much time on all that stuff, you're consumed with that. Is it TV? Are you always channel surfing, spending the majority of your time watching the boob tube? And that's, that's what takes up the majority of your time. Is it shopping? Is it online shopping? QVC? Got to get the deal. Hot deal now. You know, Amazon Prime deals all day, all day long. They just had two days. Crazy. Or is it otherworldly pursuits? You see, the reality is the Lord is a gentleman and he will not force himself upon you and I. But he does tell us plainly that today we need to choose life or death. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. He tells us plainly, if you choose life, man, you're not only going to bless yourself, you're going to bless the, the following generation after you. What, what, what don't we want more as parents and grandparents, but then to see the young ones succeed? Set your family up for prosperity in Christ by living a righteous and holy life and set the expectation so that they understand this is the way to go. The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go and when he gets older he won't depart from it. No matter what prodigal situation they go in and out of, when it hits the fan, they're going to side with Christ because you raised them right and you set the tone. Invest in spiritual things that matter the most. Amen. Next, we see the scripture says, saviors shall come to Mount Zion. Again, the idea here isn't that there are many saviors. Because there's not. We know that there's only Christ. Again, the word savior means the sense of deliverers. The contrast is plain. Remember, we're talking about Israel and Edom. Edom will be completely destroyed and no savior shall help them. But saviors shall come to Mount Zion. Those who love and side with the world system will be destroyed. This world culture, fitting into the culture, wanting to be buddy-buddy with the world system, those people will be destroyed. Those who submit to the authority of Jesus Christ will be saved. And then we see we will be those who will judge the mountains of Esau. The believers in Christ will judge the mountains of Esau in at least three different ways. The first is this, the presence of the, the deliverers is a judgment against Edom because Edom will have no deliverers. Just the presence, just your presence in, in the midst of people. You ever had people get convicted and you didn't even say a word? It's because the, they're convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit in you, and they're trying to be mindful and watch their mouths and all that kind of stuff. It's because they feel convicted. The same thing happened to Edom. The second thing is this. The judges will rule over the territory of Edom. We talked about that, the actual physical turf that's going to be taken back in that time, in that day. And the third is this. The judges will actually sit in judgment over Edom and their sins, not as we're ultimate authority, but alongside Christ. As Christ's righteousness imputed to us, we get to partake in that because we have passed the test and we're saved and forgiven forever to reign with Christ. And we see this statement, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Amen. The brief prophecy of Obadiah ends on this high note. You see, the Edomites seem to have their day against God's people, but at the end of it all, the kingdom shall be the Lord's. And that's just like all the stuff that's going on that we see in the world. Many times we're like, man, why is this person getting ahead? Man, I'm over here busting my butt, man. I got nothing. 
And these people over here, by any means necessary, swindling, conniving, stealing, thieving, and they're making out like, man, they got it made. But it's only temporary. It's only temporary. It's better to gain it by hard work and honesty than being a swindler and conniving and a cheater. You see, the Lord knows how to take care of his people and to advance his kingdom in a very glorious way. This encouragement may be the central purpose for this prophecy of Obadiah because it certainly was received as a welcome encouragement amongst the suffering people of God. Remember, they went through all kind of stuff. So they needed that encouragement. They needed that uplifting to show them, hey, man, my God will never leave me nor forsake me. It doesn't matter what they've done to me. It doesn't matter what physical harm they've done to my family, the people that I know. I know that Christ, I know that God, I know the Messiah will come for me and he will keep me. You see, Obadiah tells all God's people, don't worry about those who ignore your need. Those who rejoice in your problems, those who take advantage of your cries, those who join in their hands with others in attacking you. The encouragement is that the Lord will take care of you. Today, what is troubling you? What seems to be bothering you? Is it that someone is getting ahead of you by dishonest means? Who is wrongly accusing you? Is there anyone that's rejoicing over your suffering and you can't bear it? Let me encourage you to pray for those who oppose you. Jesus spoke clearly on this. Luke chapter 6 verse 28 tells us, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. In that way, you're freed. You're liberated. You're not taking on the pain Because once you give it to the Lord, it's like it's done. Now that's between them and the Lord. But you're doing the right thing because you're lifting them up. Now it's on them. They got to get right. But you're, 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 you're like, you're reflecting all that. You're like, no, Lord, I can't take this. I can't handle this, but you can. So I'm going to pray for these people. Pray for them. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8 tells us, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you, do not fear or be dismayed. You see, you may feel like today nothing's going your way, but take heart that God alone is the one who goes before you and prepares a way for you. But you got to trust that. The condition is you got to trust him. You got to trust him that he's going before you. Even if it looks like he's not, don't walk by sight. Walk by faith. If you walk by faith, you're going to overcome. If you walk by sight, you're going to be derailed all the time because it looks like the world's just unhinged at the seams. It looks like the anchor's no more. (laughs) You look at the state of the world, you're going to be depressed a whole lot. But you see, look, no matter Jew or Gentile, if you truly put your trust in life in the hands of King Jesus, you will be a part of his remnant people who will inherit eternal life with him. Psalm chapter 37, verse 27 to 29 tells us, Turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are persevered. They're preserved, excuse me, forever. But the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. It's right there in the text. These are not my words. 
I'm so, I'm so glad it's the Lord saying this. He's telling us, man, he's got us. Just trust in him. Don't worry about all this wickedness going on. Just keep on the straight and narrow path. This truly captures the heart, not only of the book of Obadiah, but the entire Holy Bible and the heart of God. And, um, you know, Isaiah and Michelle can come up because I just have, uh, you know, a couple more things to say and I'll be done. You see, this is the whole thing, right? Again, it's, 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 it's Bible basics. It's Christianity 101, but we never graduate from the basics. We never graduate from the basics. We were created in fellowship to always exist infinite with, with re- relationship with Creator God. He made us with a free will so our love back to Him would be genuine. He didn't want robots. He didn't want to force us. You know, he, like, oh, you have to love. No, it's like you have a free will to love God back. It would be genuine. But the reality was we, humanity, were led astray by our desires. <laughs> we were led astray. Becoming broken in sin, fellowship was severed between humanity and God. Then we isolated, right? Adam and Eve, they hid. They hid because of shame, because shame creates isolation. Whenever you're isolated, it's because you haven't dealt with the shame, Deal with the shame, get unisolated, get connected back to the body, get connected back to Christ. But Creator God in His infinite perfect love desires so much that He clothed His only Son in humanity to dwell amongst us. How perfect can that be? He's like, in order for there to be the perfect sacrifice, I have to take on flesh so I can walk amongst men and be like men and experience men on that level, then I will give of myself, die, resurrect. (laughs) And now my blood has redeemed all of mankind, whoever wants to receive the free gift of salvation. Now all have an opportunity to be reconciled to God. Put it this way. Hosea chapter 2 verses 19 and 20 tells us, And I will betroth you to myself forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. You see, those who shine bright for Christ more will be given. But those who reject him, what they have will be taken away. Today, saints, we must deny ourselves. We must take up our cross. We must follow him. I heard this analogy about a mature love in Jesus, and it's extremely appropriate. So I'll, I'll end with this illustration. And it, and it says, in order to mature as sons and daughters of God, we must go through adversity. There's no way around it. You have to go through it. I have to go through it. We all have to go through it. God doesn't want us to stay infants forever. As a baby's love, get this, is based on an attachment because of receiving. They love the mama because the mama's giving them milk. The mama's nurturing them. The mama's caring for them. They're not doing anything. The mom's doing it all. All they're doing is receiving, right? But a mature person chooses to love not just for what they can get, but for what they can give. Together, may you and I grow up in the Lord and fulfill his plans for our life. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for that timely reminder that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, that your plans can never be thwarted. 
Lord, we lift up your chosen people of Israel. We pray for the remnant to respond to Jesus as their Messiah. We pray for your hand of healing and your hedge of protection to be around them. We pray for all the nations of the world that every tongue, tribe, and people group would repent and get right with you and walk in newness of life. For the days are short and the days are evil. For us today, help us and grow us in your strength and your might and your love that we would be equipped for every good work. Help us to never forsake the meeting of the saints. And may we continue to look to you as the head. May we get every plan, every order from you directly. Father, we just want to honor you and glorify you in everything we say and do and think. So, Lord, we praise you for being so merciful to us, being so gracious to us. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.